0: I'm Sean Fantasy, editor in chief of The Ringer, and this is the Big Picture. For the past two years, this show has appeared on Channel 33, but we have some news. The Big Picture has its own feed, which you can subscribe to right now on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So go do that right now. You're
1: only there once. You only get to do these scenes once on a film, so like you got to leave it all out on the floor. So because the film was shot somewhat economically. We were able to do a fair amount of takes, sometimes a lot of takes, and like create an atmosphere where you can fuck up, you can fail, let's find a happy accident.
0: I'm Sean Fennessy, Editor-in-Chief of The Ringer, and you are listening to a new and improved version of The Big Picture. For the past two years, this has been a conversation show with some of the most interesting filmmakers in the world. And it is still that, but we're expanding and spicing things up. The show now has its own feed and a few new wrinkles. Starting very soon on this feed, I'll be co-hosting a weekly Academy Award show with Ringer Culture Editor Amanda Dobbins. We'll be previewing the races, examining the narratives, and shining a flashlight on all the BS that surrounds Oscar season. We're also going to have weekly exit survey episodes where myself and other Ringer staffers will be diving deep into the latest movie releases. We're grappling with how to cover an industry and medium that is changing every single day. And hopefully the big picture will be a place where you can come to hear from filmmakers, Keep up with the Oscar race, and discover a new movie you're going to love. And for our first episode in this new experience, we have a guest. It's Paul Dano, who until this month has been known as an actor of impeccable taste. He's worked with some of the best filmmakers alive, among them Paul Thomas Anderson, Denis Villeneuve, and Steve McQueen. Dano is a filmmaker now, and his directorial debut is one of the most finely observed movies of 2018. It's an adaptation of Richard Ford's novel, Wildlife. It's the story of a family slowly coming apart in Montana in 1960. Dano and I share an affinity for Ford's writing. When I interviewed Ford in 2016, I asked him about his writing process. He told me, quote, I'm never in a hurry. I try things out. I try things on. I throw things out. I move things around. In the process of doing all that, you have an opportunity to ask yourself the signal questions of, do I want to see this on the page? Do I think that might be interesting? Do I want to live with this for the rest of my life? Dano and I talked about just that, his aspirations as a filmmaker, and a lot more. Here's Paul Dano. Man, I'm so delighted to be joined by Paul Dano, who has his directorial debut, Wildlife, out now. Paul, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Paul, why? You know, I'm a Richard Ford fanatic. Why is this your first film? I'm so fascinated that it is. Great. I too was a Richard Ford fan.
1: I had just read Rock Springs, which is a book of short stories that I really love, and and I really love the language that 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 book is written with. So the sports writers make maybe like a slightly different kind of style. And something about Rock Springs, I was like, I want another book like this. So I was in the bookstore. Open up wildlife. The first sentence and paragraph remains one of my favorites ever. You know, so I can was you just, share it with us. In the fall of 1960, when I was 16 and my father was for a time not working, my mother met a man named Warren Miller and fell in love with him. That's the first sentence. Amazing. I won't go the whole first paragraph. Okay, I think I got it. But it, so I was in, you know, in the bookstore. You know, I was like, okay, this is uh, my kind of book, um, and so reading it. Um, I've wanted to make a film for a long time. I have just not been able to write one. I've put down little images or scenes or, you know, whatever. But I was not purposefully looking for this book to be the book. But even, even 20, 27 pages in, I was having some, you know, sort of uncanny feelings. Like, which is, I think, what great writers or artists do. Where it's like, to this guy, you know, there's like a window into some experience of mine here. So I fell in love with the book. I... Asked my partner Zoe to read it, who's a proper writer. So, "What do you think?" We talked about it. She was, she saw why I loved it uh, as a person. <laughs> no, no, she she loved it too. But it, you know, she sort of saw why what I connected. Yeah. yeah. And finally, when I thought of the ending, which is different from the book, and and particularly the final shot, that's when I was like, "Oh, I think I can write it," because uh, I wasn't even sure at that point. And that kind of sent a ripple effect backward. I was like, okay, I think I can, now I think, I've thought about it for a year. I think I can
0: finally attempt this. So I wrote to Richard Ford. On a practical level, had you talked to people before about saying, like, I'd like to give you money to make a film of your choosing? You know, what really happens when you say, I'd like to adapt this this novel and yep. make a film out of it? Do you then have to go kind of pitching around town and telling the world, it's my time to be a director? Totally, yes. And
1: so the, the, the first step, We optioned the book with our own money so we didn't have to answer to anybody, which was a very smart move for us in retrospect because it just allowed us to cultivate the script the way we wanted to and on our own time, and that was great. And frankly, we were paying our rent through, like, acting, and so this was kind of like, hey, this is ours. Let's, you know, uh, let's get it where we want it to be. So the process of getting it made was, you know, I— as a first time filmmaker, definitely have an advantage being that I'm an actor. So when I call an agent or producer, they're, they're probably going to call me back. You you know, it's just like a, it was so much harder than I thought though. Really? Um, Yeah. What did you encounter that was difficult? Well, it's, it's money, you you, you know, and and I look back now on writing and I think, oh God, that's the only part of making a film where I actually had time. Because once money is involved, time is just like gone. You know, it's like you, you know, you're spending money
0: and that's your budget, and and the clock is on. And um, so, it wasn't necessarily sort of raising the money per se, but the concept of like money expiring at all times.
1: Well, yeah, no, I should. I, I mean, maybe I skipped a skipped a beat there, but that is how it feels. But the the it's a movie that takes place in 1960 Montana. It's about a family, just like,
0: just like every Marvel movie, you've exactly, ever seen,
1: yeah. exactly. You know, f- it's like super classical American. I think the the material is resonant. I think it's for anybody who's you know had a mom or a dad or a kid or whatever. You know, I think there's something in there. But but it is a drama. It's a drama. So much of it is predicated on who are you gonna who's going to be in the film, how much you're going to make it for, where you're going to shoot it, tax credit, this and that. And really, you you push a rock up a hill. I would say until like day two of photography and then suddenly you start to feel the rock maybe going down the hill just a little bit. You're like, okay, we're actually doing this and we're making a movie.
0: I saw Jake in the movie and I was like, okay, I know Paul and Jake have worked together. I suspect that there was some sort of relationship and that helped make this happen. Carrie is the counterweight, Carrie Mulligan. They're both fantastic in the movie, but was it essential to get two, uh, two figures as notable as them to make a movie like this happen for you?
1: Yes, probably, but also like aim high regardless. Yeah. Well, so, so why them in particular? They're, they're really good actors, yeah. right? So it works out that it, you know, helps the film. Carrie and Zoe did a play on Broadway together about 10 years ago and shared a dressing room and they're friends. And hence I became friends with Carrie. And I actually met Jake for the first time at Carrie's wedding. Oh, um, wow. Before I'd worked with
0: him. so Some synchronicity here.
1: Yeah. So we thought we started with Jeanette, the, the 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 mother character. She's because she's sort of so um challenging, really, and complicated and mysterious, and it's really fine line to, to walk for for any actor. And I feel like I wanted to see Carrie get to be messy. And like the the phrase in the rope and like the kind of split ends and, you, uh, you know, first of all, she's English. So a lot of the English parts, it's just kind of a different type of something. And, and then, you know, it turns out she feels like she just hasn't had the opportunity to do that partially because I think from her perspective and, and Zoe's,
0: women don't get that opportunity on screen um, as much. Uh, and it seems like it cuts a little bit against type because we think of Carrie as— I don't know about sweet necessarily, but there's a warmth to her, you know. Absolutely. And this is a very complex woman who's doing things, particularly to her son, that is very hard to unpack and understand why she's doing these things. I think it's Carrie's best ever performance that I've seen. I, mean, I think she's really amazing Great. in this movie. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, you know, I, I suspect that it was a bit of a challenge for her too.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think, it's all that's also being an actor, like whenever you get that kind of part that gives you that chance to do a little something to, to unpack one extra piece of yourself you don't get to or the challenge usually you get your best work so i was hoping carrie would respond and and she did immediately um and i don't think just because we're we know each other i wouldn't expect them and, and i wouldn't ask them to do that so it was really about the script and the character and um she you know she uh she went all in and, and right from the start like from the first phone call like she knew you know she was like this is um, yeah, let's get to work it's so great when you have actors like Carrie and Jake who like really challenge you and challenge the script you've written and they ask questions and you go, and suddenly you have to, you know, relook at something you've spent a few years on and go, okay, yeah, let me, okay, I actually know this is why this is here. And, and so that
0: collaboration uh, is like so fun. Let's talk about that a little bit because I jumped ahead. I do want to talk about the writing. So I have two questions about this. One specifically, why do you think there are not more Richard Ford movies, mm. adaptations of his films? Because I saw mm. that you were making this movie and I was like, well, this is a no-brainer. This mm. is going to be incredible. And I, I've read almost all of his books. I really admire <laughs> him. But th- he does have a cinematic tone, mm. and it's unusual that there haven't been many. And then on top of that, I, I do want to hear what it's like to write with Zoe and write with yep. your partner in, in close quarters. I imagine that's a unique process. So maybe you could talk yep. about those two things.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I know stuff has been optioned of Richard's. In fact, when I wrote to him, I'm I, I, he might have even thought, Okay. Oh, here's another option that's not going to happen. You yeah. Know, or whatever. Sure. I don't know. Um, and I just don't know is the answer. Uh, he though had the sort of wisdom of n- knowing about film. One of the first things he said to me was, "My book is my book, and your picture is your picture, and you should establish your own, you know, values essentially." And it was like, "Well, that's like the, a sense of permission from somebody you admire that's so important. Yeah, what it is what you want to do." But like, it's kind of like, okay, you know. um, that's a really nice way to start. Uh, Have you shown him the film? Yeah. How did that go? I think he really loved it. Um, yeah, he did. Um, and it's funny, we talked after and we, we kind of went through the film. And he, he was really, I think, uh, happy. But um, there were certain things. He was like, you know, I loved that moment or when she said this. And I'd be like, oh, I'd be like, oh well, that, that was in the book. And he'd go, no, it wasn't. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it was. And he was like, I don't think so, and we both didn't know anymore. But I think he was just it, that was that book's from I think 1990. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought that was just kind of sweet somehow. Either uh, you
0: tapped into his vein or you just used what he wrote.
1: Yes, no, no. There's a lot from the book that's in there, and 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 that I love, and and particularly some of the. I mean, there's some beautiful dialogue and, and, and just surprising things that I, I don't have perspective on now. But finally doing these things, I go, oh, yeah, when I first read this, I felt in that diner scene when she asks about his name and her age, you know. It's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, it's very beautiful. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know that anymore. So when it's reflected back to me to q and A, am like, oh, yeah, I felt that. Like, you yep. know, when we, yeah, Richard was great, and it was fun to have a correspondence with him, as you, you would also probably feel because even his emails are— Nice, you know. I have emailed
0: with him a couple of times. Ah, they're quite elegant. Yeah, I interviewed yeah. him a couple of years ago, and we oh. emailed, and it's yeah, I agree. It's uh, great. It's a it's a literary gift just in your inbox. It is. Yeah.
1: I know. Ugh. So Zoe is a proper writer. I wrote the first draft. I wrote it not in screenplay format. I wrote it kind of like a gut by the image more thing that that really made sense to me what does that mean is it like a treatment how well, does that look it's, it just it just means i don't even think i had final drafts so i think i just went to word i i thought it was a script zoe did not think it was a script <laughs> um i gave it to zoe to read she came out of the room after reading this was my first thing i'd ever written and i was like waiting and she was like it's good and i was like oh fuck you know <laughs> you know that was just like devastating you know
0: <laughs> You um, wanted her to wrap her arms around you and say you're a genius and, yeah, or
1: something, but yeah. you know the way she said it's good. It was like <laughs> you know, so and just every page was dog-eared and had you know, and and we started to try to go through it, and that was not you know that didn't work. Um, <laughs> not that you know, it was not like a not like we were fighting in a way that was like truly unhealthy for our relationship. It it was just tough to communicate about the first draft and she basically said why don't you let me do a pass i see what you're trying to do and she knows me she knows like what the the film was the film from the get-go it's like you know she knows what the aesthetic you know like and she's like i think it'll be easier if i just show you instead of telling you and i was like great
0: oh you felt comfortable with that you oh, didn't yeah feel, okay no no
1: no 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 she's a good writer yeah. you know and She was able to use sort of like dramatic structure to help take the guts of what I had taken from the book and stuff that I had put in that I felt connected to. It wasn't just a direct translation of the book. You know, I tried to kind of – I was definitely – I was even writing questions into the first draft. Like why am I doing this, you know, essentially. But like uh, I moved to a new town when I was 14 and my parents were my world at that age because I moved to a new town and that's part of why we made the kid 14 instead of 16. Mm -hmm. You, just like what was I, what what am I working with? And but she helped to really bring structure to it and take sort of multiple images and put them into like one more complicated scene instead of mine was probably a bit more vignette-y. And then we would just sit down and talk, sometimes for quite a while, really interrogate something, and then one of us would take it and do a pass, whether that was on a section or the whole thing. It was kind of like if Zoe was shooting, sh- show, Zoe was shooting Olive Kittridge. And, like, I'm hanging around, you know, and and doing a pass on the script and vice versa.
0: So tell me about directing and what that experience was like for you. Because, you know, if you look at your filmography as an actor, you seem to have really good taste in filmmakers. And, like, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, Kelly Reichardt, Paolo Sorrentino, you've worked with a lot of really great filmmakers, especially in the last, like, 10 years. So what kind of director were you trying to be on set? Mm -hmm. And what was – maybe you can tell me about what your set was like. Yeah, great.
1: Um, well, I think my love of film and desire to make film impacts my acting in a way because I care about the film and the filmmaker as well as the character. It's not just like,
0: is it a juicy part? You, um, I get that sense, yeah,
1: yeah, it's just what makes
0: sense to me mm-hmm. and. Um, Is it with the thought that you wanted to do this someday, so you're trying to learn as well?
1: Not so much. Well, no. I think it's just more like, how do I give a real piece of myself to something unless I really care about it? Right. So it it is that though, because again, I just I you know once I got into film, I really got into film. You know, I came I came to acting through the theater, and then once I kind of got into film, suddenly the medium really. Turn me on Mm -hmm. um, as a as an audience member um, and a student, you know, sort of, and just so yes, but there's just no way I'm on set as an actor and sort of observing why the camera is put where it's put. You know, on the on a day that I'm working, you're sort of there for that. You're Um, focused on that. Yeah,
0: you have to be and. So, so yeah. what kind of what kind of director were you then? What, did, you, did you did you were you were you forceful? Were you yeah. searching? You know,
1: uh, searching is good. Um, <laughs> searching is good, and that's I think always just a part of it. Um, did you did you, you, know. you storyboard this movie? No, but it was, you know, yeah, yeah, I would say so. I would say
0: there's like a handful of moments, maybe seven to eight moments that there's a couple of kind of tracking dolly shots or some, some, some moves that you're making that felt like things that were really conceived. Yeah. You know, is that something that you were doing ahead of time as well? Yes.
1: Yeah, for sure. And from day one of, of daydreaming about the movie and writing the movie, I mean, you know, one of the coolest things that I've realized is that you make, you're making the movie every step. You know, I mean, it's changing and it becomes a different film. But, And also, I can't choose where to put the camera unless I know how it's going to cut. Like, why would you choose that camera setup? You know, you don't just do it to do it. So you sort of have to have a storyboard in your head. And my cinematographer, Diego Garcia, who's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person and DP, also thinks that way. It's sort of why we, I think, work together where we kind of have to know why we're putting the camera where we put it and, and potentially how it's going to cut. That doesn't mean it will cut that way and there's many scenes where it didn't, but there are scenes where it did too. Um, for me, to get back to your question because it was, it's one I like, definitely the probably the biggest thing I've taken away from being on so many sets and I'm so lucky I've had that experience to bring to my own is what I would call like the temperature on set, which I love. And as an actor, like when the crew is part of it, you feel it and it's great. So, a lot of the directors, directors you mentioned, their crew is usually happy to be there. Right. They want to be there making that movie. And as an actor, you can feel that.
0: What do they do? How do you capture that? How do you hit the right temperature? Um,
1: I, hard work and, and a lot of care. Technically, you're the leader or something or captain of the ship. <laughs> I don't want to, like, call myself that. But, sure. I mean, the direct. you know. So, your energy is, it's possible you can guide the... The, the sort of the, the vibration or whatever you know people do that in different ways I think but I think the care you bring to it you hopefully people jump on board and 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 also part of your job it's it's a little bit like parenting like I'm there to get the best out of everybody too um I'm you know it's all Carrie you know this performance is it, but I'm just there to like I'll create the space for her to be her best self and give her that opportunity and nudge her occasionally and i love the, the the searching thing i liked because you're only there once you only get to do these scenes once on a film so like you got to leave it all out on the floor so because the film was shot somewhat economically we were able to do a fair amount of takes sometimes a lot of takes and like create an atmosphere where you can fuck up you can fail uh let's find a happy accident you know because the camera is quite composed so it's kind of the actor's inner life that's the movement. I feel like. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you because it's a period piece, as you said, 1960. Did you watch films from that time? Were there films that you felt like were kind of signposts for this this one? So there were films
1: that certainly Diego and I talked about, but it wasn't to do with like the period. You know, it was more to do with like the spirit. So you know, um, um, whether it was. John Ford's *Grapes of Wrath* or Hirokazu Koreeda's *Still Walking*, or you know, just uh, different stuff. But they they have nothing to do with the time period. The the time period is m- probably more to do with photography or painting or feeling. And that was a re- this was the why I wanted to make a film was to like make the images essentially. I mean, you're it's your cinematographer, but you, you know, working with the camera was really exciting to me. And the best thing about doing a period film, even though I cursed myself a million times in pre production because it's expensive and limiting and it's hard is that you actually get to create the frames because I can't just point the camera at you because some detail is not correct so the colors and the textures and like we really kind of my costume designer, production designer, cinematographer and I like we really got to make the movie Um, and I like that as an audience member like stepping into a world you know or an aesthetic or or whatever Uh, I mean
0: it's kind of a hackney thing to say but it is it is painterly, it's got style you know It it looks like a still photograph come to life a lot of the time, which is kind of a compliment when you're working on something in that time period, too, because we've seen so much of what that looks like, but very rarely when it's alive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that was, you know, something we wanted, and, and a lot of that is Diego just being uh, an incredible collaborator. But I also think that, like, there's, like, a portrait sort of, you know, theme in the film, and and so I think
0: there's something of that in terms of the stillness of it. So as you're making a movie like this, one of the things that I like about Ford's work... That is complicated about Ford's work is he uses very big, obvious themes at times. And there's a big, obvious theme in the middle of this movie, which mm-hmm. is sort of fire and mm-hmm. burning and mm-hmm. what that means to a family, to a community, to a country. I was interested to hear you talk a little bit about like what those themes are for you, but also like how you contend with them and make them not hokey. Because in mm-hmm. a novel setting... You can imagine it, and you can create it for yourself, and it can be at the scale that you want. But you actually go out and mm-hmm. have to visualize that for your, for, for the audience. Yeah. So, what, what was that like?
1: Yeah, that is a tricky balance, and and I've I think I've always been a less is more person, um, probably just what I respond to in, in in life. So, um, you know, the fire, I think. If you asked Richard Ford, I, I, he would he would not want it to be a metaphor, or he would not say it. You right. Know? So it's funny to. Um, I think it's something for each character. You know, I that thing that the sort of American dream of like the, on the horizon, is always better. When I get there, I'll be happy. That has always been really interesting and moving to me, and sort of a trap almost sometimes. And there's an image in the book that's not in the film almost was in the film until you realize that we can't afford to do it and it doesn't need it but it is there's a bear up in a tree
0: very very famous moment in this book yes yeah.
1: the tree catches fire and fire rushes up the tree and the bear drops to the ground and like a ball of flames and runs off into the distance And
0: I think bald lightning is the way he describes yes, it right in the it book it like bald lightning yeah
1: that's exactly right beautiful I sort of feel like that that's like the parents in this you mm-hmm. know like they both What I like about something like Jeanette's transformation or or her journey or or whatever is, you know, a spark can cause a fire, like, very quickly. Um, And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. And I like that, like, one moment in life can, like, set you off on a different course. And then technically, like, that sequence was day three of filming. We only got to do four days in Montana. That's all we could afford. The rest was in Oklahoma where they have a great tax incentive and, and Oklahoma was great to us. But the spirit of Montana is important for me and and for, and for the for the film. And um, as you said,
0: with Rock Springs, that's also where the story takes place. Yeah. The same setting. There's something connected to those two things. Yes. In fact, one of the short stories in Rock Springs,
1: there's, I think one of the families is named the Brinsons. It's a yes. totally different that's story. Right. But we knew when we were writing that we would only show the fire in one shot. Kind it's of, it's less know. is
0: more. It's don't show yeah. the shark in the first hour, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about you and kind of what you're going to do. It's funny. I, in the last few weeks on this show, I had Ethan Hawke here. I just talked to Jonah Hill earlier this week. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of an actor filmmaker mm-hmm. moment happening right now. And I keep asking these folks like are you a director now? Is this your job now? Do you what do you identify as? I don't want to be too simplistic about it, but I'm interested in Yeah. W- is this the direction you see your career going?
1: Yes and no. I mean, I can't wait to make another film.
0: Is that something that is starting to happen already?
1: No. It could take a while, but it is definitely yes, it's going to happen someday. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is, but I you know, there's there's you know, an idea maybe, but anyway, it it is definitely, but I've always felt sort of like reactive to the, like I when I get bored is when I get sad, kind of, or you know something. So, you know, after wildlife, I went to this like prison thing that is like so physical and like you know it's so what is that? It's this thing called Escape at Danamore. It's going to be this miniseries. Uh, oh yeah, sure on showtime. showtime. Yes, okay. And it's it was a reaction to like not acting for over a year, being in a nice edit room with air conditioning and just working in a really calm like a normal job and you needed to punish yourself I needed to go yeah well I needed to go yeah like break shit (laughs) and sex and like you know it was just like and now that was a six or seven month shoot it's the longest I've ever done the next thing I'm gonna go do is do a play and it's because I think after a long thing like that like I need to shake up a process I'm like okay I need to like something you know to shake up just spending seven months on camera Mm -hmm. um So I do feel a little bit pliable, meaning I don't know that I would be just, like, on one thing. Like, I'm only a director now or I'm just an actor.
0: Seems like you're doing actually the opposite. You're kind of multiplying all of your opportunities. Seems smart. (laughs) Uh, Only a couple more questions, Paul. Um, What is your feeling about success for wildlife? How will you know if you— have done the right thing. Obviously the film is done and I'm sure that you're happy with it, but we're in this complicated moment with independent film and the way that people find films and see them. So for you personally, yeah, what will success be?
1: That's kind of a hard question. I know that we succeeded because I got to make the film I wanted to make and so that's like one level of wow, like okay, that's actually a you know, beautiful thing to be able to say like I the, the film is the film I wanted to make, you know, and and not every, you know, people have horror stories and it's still hard for me, though, when I go to see, you know, with an audience and is the sound right in the picture and, you know, what's the vibe and, uh, you know, it, it's a funny, very vulnerable. A lot of years of work and I find it to be incredibly vulnerable um,
0: to, you, to share it. As a performer, did you, do you have an awareness of sort of like the critical reaction to something? Do you look at the box office? Do those things well, matter to you? as a director at is um,
1: totally different because I'm involved in every step of the process right now so uh, yes I'm, I get the you know reports on what people are saying how they, because you're trying to kind of figure out okay like how can we help kind of guide this film now out, out into the world um, as an actor I can look the other way uh, you usually know I mean you just know but I usually don't read stuff yeah as a director, I think yeah, actually like it's, maybe it's even part of my job to kind of know because I'm actually involved in like the marketing of the like, you know, we were working on a poster, we we're working on a trailer. We're collaborating and, and our IFC has been great about that. And, and so I do feel somewhat of a responsibility to kind of know. Um, I, of course, would like the film to succeed on many levels. Um, I feel really proud of. Especially of like Carrie and Jake and our kid Ed, who I think is like a real he's great real actor, and Diego's work and Akeen and my production. You know, like I feel like a proud parent or something. And now we're kind of sending this this, this film out. And um, it's very good. You
0: have a lot to be proud of. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'll let you go on this. I know that you haven't had that much time to watch a lot of films lately, but I we do end every show by asking mm. filmmakers what's the last great thing that they have seen. Mm. You're a filmmaker now. Mm. Paul, what's the last great thing you've seen?
1: Okay. I've just been rewatching the first season of Big Mouth to get ready for the yeah. second season. Oh god, that's very funny. That's a
0: funny show. What do you like about Big Mouth? Oh,
1: I mean, I you know, so I think a lot of my work is kind of serious, you know. Mm, yeah, but there's really
0: a... synchronicity between wildlife and Big Mouth. I think. Wow, I like that. Think about that, you know, this sort of coming of age, figuring out who we are, what <laughs> sure. have our parents done to us. Sure, there's something there.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. I you know, and like like that's just a part of
0: me that needs
1: like time. Mm-hmm. You, so I find a lot of my of home viewing to be you know, a uh, uh, laugh. And then what else? Zoe and I watched you know what we were watching? We we rewatched shortcuts recently.
0: Great Altman film.
1: And I don't know why. I think she'd never seen it. And I was so impressed by the flow. That movie's kinda like the editing is kinda like water or something. Like it moves between stories very quickly actually. I don't remember that, but it's it's not like you're with one story for a long time and then with the other. Like it's really cross-cut, and it really flows. And I, that's quite an accomplishment of, I guess, writing and directing and editing. Uh, so I was really—I liked it even better than I did when I saw it ages ago.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how you can appreciate things when you know how things work as you get older. Yes. Paul, I'm, I'm sure you're learning more and more every day. Thank you very much for doing yeah, the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of The Big Picture on the new Big Picture feed. We truly appreciate it. If you have not subscribed and you're listening on Channel 33, please go do that right now. And I just want to send a special shout out to my producer, Zach Mack, who is leaving the ringer and has helped me so greatly in developing the show over the years. Thank you, Zach, and good luck in the future.